both kind of have their their own distinct mental health stuff. So it's annoying. I will tell you that. It's... <laughs> Someone who, who finds it to be a load of malarkey. Um... Well, I <laughs> not entirely, but it's like that uh, the scene in The Incredibles. Um, I don't mm. know how familiar with that, but the basic premise of at least the first one, where you know you have this very special family. And yeah. superheroes are outlawed, like Watchmen or whatever. And the father's proud of his son for being the Flash and going to school and like beating everyone in a race. And the mom's right. like, you know, you can't, we can't out ourselves. Like, you know, um, everyone, you know, you have to allow everyone to be special. It's like, well, if everyone's special, then no one is. That sort of thinking. Exactly. And it's like, to a point, I understand everyone has everyone has their own mental hangups in some right. regard. Right, but because of that fact, we can't all we can't all throw it out there to the world and then like take time with each individual person and be like, "That's awful." Do you want to talk about it? Because I mean, <laughs> it'll never end. Like, if I mean, you... we don't, we can't have a conveyor belt of empathy. <laughs> no, no. it runs out. Eventually, you tap out, and it's like pick your spots, basically. Mr. Adams, I hope you realize I'm only 15 years old. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Well, they're so stuffy around here. Is this what life is going to be like for the next 50 years? Is that all we're going to be married? 50 years? That's not very long. Wait, don't make rash judgments. Paul, I think I'm going to be a lousy wife. But don't be angry with me. I love you very much. And I'm very sexy. Let's uh, go inside. I'm paying $30 a day. Okay, Paul. Let's start the marriage. Good luck, Paul. Good luck, Corey. It's like uh, if someone says, hey, I had a weird dream last night. Like when someone says it to me, I immediately check out. I'm like, when will this end? Like I don't want to hear about this dream. I don't, I, because I have... everyone has dreams. <laughs> I like I have no interest in dream stories generally speaking like I don't I don't want to get into it don't care about it they're usually weird like weekly conversations and trying to navigate whatever each one of them is going through ah uh, I hate it you're and not as any offense but you're like the not the friend to go to for those conversations <laughs> and and you know it, it, a little bit of awareness probably goes a long way because as many years as they've both been friends with you you would kind of assume you know, like if I'm like, uh, if I want to talk about sports, I'll say, oh, I'll text Mike. Uh, but if I'm talking about um, grief and loss, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going to the M's necessarily. I'm like, oh, we'll have this heartfelt, um, touching moment uh, where we'll share our vulnerabilities with one another. We had to take a, uh, at work, HR came last fall and did some big, you know, like company wide thing where it's like, you know, team building, all that horse shit. And right. uh, they had us. <laughs> they had you take a test and you could just tell by it. I mean, it, it looked like some sort of middle school guidance counselor thing. Like <laughs> of these four a words, um, which I was, of course was the one at work that made the joke that they went through the alphabet, but they didn't have the letter in. There were no N words because that would have left him <laughs> saying of these N words pick. And they're right. I, someone at HR's job was like, Skip Nope, <laughs> do not do that. Don't have that sentence in there. But it, it would it would be stuff that would be like, well, I'm not I'm not any one of those things necessarily, or I'm multiple things, but pick the best one. And they're trying to grit it out. 
Right. As shitty as it was. Like a personality test. Yeah, and as much as I made fun of it, it was pretty damn accurate because <laughs> on, on, they said I was the only one <laughs> in that whole building that scored an absolute zero on empathy. A zero. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I'm laughing, and they're looking at me with concern. <laughs> like, well, on a that's one of the biggest criteria, or most common criteria for sociopathy. <laughs> so, that might be why they were greatly concerned, because you scored on the Charles Manson line. <laughs> and so, usually, uh, those folks are either incredibly successful and business savvy, um, or they put uh, young co-eds in the trunk of their car. Well, so... <laughs> I know which one I would prefer if it was awesome. <laughs> but the thing with that is just it, it's context, right? And I'm like, well, at work, how much empathy am I supposed to have for these people? Like, we come here, we're paid to be around each other. We come for a specific task. It's as simple as it's like we need to fix the chemicals in your body, like they're because right. not that's gonna go to extreme, but it's like, wow, if it's if that's all it is, like then you're also just like a left turn away from like. Yeah, having a really adverse reaction or just messing you up. So that, that does kind of right. freak me out a little bit. That's a mistake. A lot of uh, people actually make uh, folks that I've referred for, for um, medication, psychiatric medication uh, will take this stuff and uh, they start to feel good. So, so you have someone who has like a major depression, they'll take it. Uh, they'll feel really, really good. Maybe that's hope after a while, uh, but they're not really doing anything that creates life changes. So they'll wake up one day and be like, man, I feel amazing. I'm going to shower today. And uh, I don't feel hopeless and helpless about my future. I don't need this shit anymore. Trash can. Mm. Uh, and then they wonder why in a couple of days they're feeling suicidal. Uh, it's it's because it's a Band-Aid. It, the hope is that you make certain life changes and that will raise your quality of life. Um, and that's kind of used as a supplement to that if you're not doing those things then it's then when you take it away all of those problems come back that really i mean that happens to so many people because they're not willing to to make those small necessary changes in diet or exercise or life perspective or thoughts any of those things i'm gonna have to keep it in my mind to leave all this personal stuff out of our discussion which is because in the <laughs> movie there's a lot of that like <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah, that's really that really relates to my friend who's very unhappy. <laughs> <laughs> it is the weirdest thing. A lot of the folks that I've met in my career when I was doing counseling and, and working with counselors, psychologists, um, psychiatrists, uh, just relate to the field. So many people that provide services for mental health have like really bad either boundaries, they self-disclose too much, or they have like their own really bad mental health stuff going on. Like it, it, it seems like it just. Um, uh, that their drive is connected to the idea that they're not stable, which is really problematic. What else? What else was I proper and dignifying? All the time. You're always dressed right. You always look right. You always say the right thing. You're very nearly perfect. That's a rotten thing to say. Before we were married, I thought you slept with a tie. No, just for very formal sleeps. Well, you have absolutely no sense of the ridiculous. Like last Thursday night, you wouldn't walk barefoot with me in Washington Square Park. Why not? Simple answer. It was 17 degrees. Exactly. It's very logical. It's very sensible. And it's no fun. Hey, maybe you're right. Maybe I am a little bit too proper and dignified for you. Maybe you would have been happier with somebody a little bit more colorful and flamboyant. Like the geek. Well, it'd be a lot more laughs than a stuffed shirt. I thought you said I wasn't. Well, you are now. I'm not going to listen to this. 
I'm not going to listen to this. I have a case in court in the morning. Where are you going? Sleep. Now? How can you go to sleep now? I'm going to close my eyes and count Kenichi's. Good night, dear. You cannot go to sleep now, Paul. We're having a fight. Well, you have the fight. When you're through, would you turn off these lights, please? Oh, that gets me absolutely insane. You can even control your emotions. No, no, no. I'm just as upset as you are. But when I get hungry, I eat. When I get tired, I sleep. And you eat and sleep, too? Don't deny it. I've seen you. Not in the middle of a crisis. Cry? What crisis? We're just yelling. You don't consider this a crisis. Our whole marriage is hanging in the balance. It is? When did this happen? Just now. It has suddenly become very clear to me that you and I have absolutely nothing in common. Why? Because I won't go walking barefoot in the park? You don't have a case, Corey. Adultery, yes, but cold feet, no. Don't you oversimplify this. I am angry, Paul. Can't you see that? It's, uh, two... Ooh, two fifteen. If I can get to sleep in half an hour, I can get about five hours sleep. I'll call you from court tomorrow. We'll fight over the phone. Hmm? You will not go to sleep, Paul. You will stay here and fight to save our marriage. If our marriage uh, hinges on those fishbowls and Pelmenski, it is not worth saving. Now, dear, I'm crawling into our tiny little single bed. If you care to join me, we're sleeping from left to right. Uh, all right, let's get into Barefoot in the Park. Something a little more pleasant, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, completely. I, I didn't... Although, well, well, and I'm sure we'll get into it. I didn't know how the film would... when I, I didn't know how the film would end when I first saw the beginning of it. I didn't have a great hope for the, the two uh, in, the, uh, in the relationship. I'll just say that. We'll probably we'll probably get into it uh, right. why in a second. That, that's interesting. Um, so yeah, we'll start here. So joining the show once again, Derek Stewart, who um, I guess is the official uh, therapist of the Grand Gesture. Now, did you? Is Dave? Dave is completely <laughs> gone. <laughs> He's bounced. Yeah, that. I've I've overtaken him. Uh, <laughs> just get rid of one psychologist and move in a much lower paid uh, counselor. That works all the same. Well, yeah, there is you, no you, difference. You have to account for cost of living. Dave lives in a very expensive city. I think he's. I think San Jose is still in the top five in the country as far as most expensive places to live. Not so much in Kentucky. So you've got that. Say, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't actually do therapy anymore, so I get to teach folks how to do therapy, or at least question whether or not that's something I want to go into. So that's a side question. Before yeah. we get into Barefoot in the Park, I know you've used some films in your college classes before, so is there has there been a recent one you've used, or is it the kind of same rotation of things? As of right now, it uh, I've still been using um, – oh, now I'm drawing a blank uh, – The Vanishing – um, that's the one I use for, <laughs> well, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make a safe bet here. We'll never appear on this particular podcast. You don't think you could stretch that out? I mean, I, I think yeah. there is a grand gesture in that, but I don't know how romantic <laughs> it is. Um, well, uh, you might find it romantic. I don't. Bankruptcy of empathy. <laughs> I, I'm saying, uh, on that particular hero's journey, I, I don't make that grand gesture. I'm, I'm not that curious, Derek. I'm good. <laughs> So that's probably for the best. That's comforting in some way. <laughs> yes, very much so. Um, all right. So the vanishing that's terrifying for your students. I hope, I hope they're terrified. I hope they're not indifferent to it. They, they're not indifferent. Um, usually in that class, it, it's, it's kind of odd. It's mostly women. So there's some, I think, uh, inherent relatability to kind of how the film plays out. Unfortunately, well, yeah. the predatory yeah. nature of even a gas station, yeah. you're just being looked upon as some sort of target. Right. And I think it, one of the things that surprised me the first time that I, I showed the film was uh, that I, I still had uh, these 
you know, 21, 22 year old young women that, that, um, weren't disconnected from 1988 or 1989. You know what I mean? With the, the changing technology, a lot of times when you look at some of those older horror films, it's like, Oh, I wouldn't be in that situation. I would just pull out my cell phone and I would have find my friends and it would be fine. Um, and that, Although I thought it would happen, it didn't. I think it still uh, uh, spoke to just some inherent in- anxieties about being um, um, less than careful or less than as careful as you should be. Um, and so usually it, that's the takeaway for a lot of my students, even though that's not really the reason that I show the film. Uh, so it teaches a very valuable lesson. Um, even though it's not the I lesson you're, you're going after. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. Maybe it'll it'll just work like uh, you know old um, um, wives' tales from the 1950s that just stop folks from premarital sex or gas station trips. I don't know, uh, but it, it that's usually the one that gets shown every spring semester in my mental health class. Um, the rest are just some uh, documentaries uh, from time to time that I can just kind of find. Um, I would love to do a class that was just about integrating film into human services and counseling, that kind of thing. Um, but I doubt they'd let me at this point. Well, not, not if you get the reputation of <laughs> hey, that's the guy <laughs> teaching us uh, not to speak to anyone at a gas station. Right. <laughs> Definitely don't help them move any sort of furniture or anything. Not to um, not to, I guess, give any like spoilers to the film away. But, there, you know, that scene where they pull the um, the drawer uh, in the field and the the daughters kind of scream and, and then uh, the dad screams. Uh, that's one that always makes me a little nervous because I'm sitting on a college campus and the volume's up so everyone in the classroom can hear. And so then those screams go off and I'm immediately, I always forget and I have to run like over um, uh, over to the projector and like turn it down. Cause I don't want folks walking down the hallways, just hearing young women scream um, on a, I guess on a college campus, I guess with uh, the current climate that we're in with gun violence and things of that nature. Um, but it is, it is one of those things that I'm always, I guess, kind of mindful of. Um, I don't know. I feel like we have done, a great either injustice or justice. I can't tell. Too barefoot in the park because <laughs> this was uh, – I had not seen it before. I was watching it just for this podcast, but I was like I, – I, I got into a big Robert Redford kick, and I was like, okay, surely he's been in, I don't know, countless romances, right? A screen idol, beautiful man, legend for decades. N- not that many that are like pure – there's a romance element. Right. But it usually leans like I'm thinking like uh, what, three days of the condor, which I'm you know I'm not classifying as a, a romance. Um, sure. So I was like, okay, what is this? Barefoot in the park, like comedy romance. All right, cool. Rated G from 1967. Well, this will be pleasant. A really goofy. <laughs> not like the graduate. <laughs> <laughs> a really goofy poster. Uh, it appears you know young Jane Fonda and Robert Redford are actually you know dancing barefoot in the park. And the way it starts out, uh, I think our meet cute here is projecting a sex comedy. I would I would say so. Which is funny you mentioned the poster, and that's the reason I mentioned uh, the graduate because I'm pretty sure that uh, that came out in '67 as well. Um, and so if I look at the poster, uh, I get more of like a chitty chitty bang bang. Yes, yeah, that's a good feeling. good pull. Yeah, yeah, uh, versus a graduate kind of, and so you know it's right on that. Uh, cusp of you know the new Hollywood period, so I was like, oh, this is like that last remnant of like, oh, everything's really happy and there's no 
no one's sexualized in any way. We don't have to worry about infidelity um, or a May-December romance, any of that that business. But it doesn't really take long into the film when you come to realize, like, oh, they are just really interested in spending days and days uh, in this hotel. Um, well, who just, wouldn't? Just, All right. Now, uh, yeah, the other reason yeah. I, I have to throw this out there, a little – a little, I don't know if I want to call it a personal jab to you, but you, you are a man, at least in our circles, <laughs> that is well known for your love of older screen legends. Uh, this does not star Diane Keaton, who I know yeah. we've made fun of you before. Your, your love of late 70s Diane Keaton, I guess, early 80s. I don't know yeah, how far you go. I'd go probably uh, from Play to Get in Sam, which I think it's like 72, up to um, Baby Boom. So that's 87. Or Father of the Bride. We'll go a couple of years wow. in. All right. So she, yeah. almost two decades. Uh, so There you go. Um, and no, no offense to the great Diane Keaton, but for a man of your age, it is a curious one to be I'm like. 67. I, I wish, I wish I could get a 67 year old man to come on for Barefoot in the Park, a rom com, and then talk about the vanishing for 10 minutes and <laughs> trying to scare the bejesus out of these young pups. That's these good young quality. Kids. Well, my only connection to that vanishing discussion, because I just want to leave that in, is. I wonder how this one would play now. Like, cause you brought up a good point. Like with it, the time it came out, it opens with them going to their hotel room. You don't see anything, but you have, right. uh, I, I guess like the, the bell hops and people come by like, Oh, they're going to set a new record. Like we've not even seen them since they entered the room. Like, so they're having sex for almost a week. Sure. And I wondered what your take was on Jane Fonda when she comes out, because they, I think they were playing up the fact that it's like you have two incredibly beautiful people together. Oh yeah, but yeah, <laughs> it reads very different. She, she is very appealing to the eye, <laughs> but somewhere over that six days, which we don't see, Redford turns back into like he he jumps forward in their marriage, <laughs> like they've been married, like I guess to the Diane Keaton father of the bride time period where <laughs> the peak has already come and gone. It's time to yeah. get back to work. Like that's it's, the honeymoon is really over. It's done. Exactly. There and there are uh, cliches and statements that that get made about you know uh, you know if you see someone that's really attractive that is with a partner and you make an assumption that 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 male let's say is let's say it's a heterosexual relationship you see a beautiful woman and it's oh my gosh he must be the happiest man that there ever was. He has no questions. He'll do anything that she wants. Um, and he's like, they're in an argument or he's yelling at her or he's mistreating her. And it's like, how am I like, how in the world could you have an argument with someone that's just, um, you know, so pretty, so beautiful. Jane Fonda, um, 1967. Jane, it, absolutely. Uh, and it kind of goes with that idea a little bit that it's okay. Yeah. My wife's great and all this is wonderful, but the moment has passed and now I have to worry <laughs> um, about this promotion. And this, yes, this yeah, will be you're the in most, my oversized shirt. So. The most romantic episode ever. <laughs> yes, my wife is beautiful. <laughs> but that However, moment has passed. <laughs> I, you know what's interesting, but you see that in the, you see that almost in the opening shot. Like, it's it's really subtle, but uh, when they're in the back of the carriage or, or whatever, mm -hmm. um, and she's uh, she's like, not not really aggressive with her kissing, but you can definitely she see that she's... She refuses to stop. She is not, yes. she's not letting the moment go. She's right. 
Right. And so she's fully immersed in the experience of kissing her husband on the way to their hotel. And you can already tell that he, while is while he's invested, um, he, he's taking in other things around him, either how people are perceiving them, um, uh, how long it's taking them to get out to tip to, to whatever, uh, that he still has a preoccupation with every, with things outside of the moment. Um, which is contrasting well, to her. Where do you stand with that? Cause it, it's a really interesting meet cute that way. And that we're meeting them at their peak as far as like <laughs> where the, this is the time where I guess it's socially acceptable for people to act this way with that PDA or whatever. Like, Oh, it's a couple on their honeymoon. Uh, right. It's a little bit different now, I think, because they are still functioning, I think, in their home city. I mean, they are settling here. That's the assumption I get. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I assume they're from, you know, the area. So it's not like they went to the Bahamas and they're out with all the other new married couples. And there's a whole right. like economy based around <laughs> basically like catering to the whims of newlyweds. Right. You, so I, th- I think that's a good point because Redford, it, he's <laughs> he's somehow drifting back into the real world and like even though that they're still on the tail end of their honeymoon so does that does that meet cute <laughs> like work for you because it's like it's a weird one in the sense that it's the opposites attract but we've already the opposites have already attracted right and now we're seeing them as they're going to go further um, in their life it 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 uh, can i say that it it does but at the same time uh, I have a couple of questions about it. In, in the first vein, I, I could see that as being completely reasonable and maybe even accurate to some relationships where, you know, both what individuals about yours? are in. Um, nope. And uh, <laughs> so, just in well, case you no, Well, okay, I won't throw too many, like, you know, prying questions. But <laughs> when you were a newlywed, which is not that long sure. ago, right? did you lean more – Redford or did your wife lean more Redford? Was she the more practical one? You no, got you're, you're Redford. <laughs> I don't know. Yo, yeah. I'm Redford every day. Um, oh, so my life. I wake up in a suit. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I, I would say that we were probably some, and this may be sounds like a cop out, uh, probably some medium, uh, version of the two, some combination of those two, where we were incredibly excited about um, the marriage and the potential for where they would take us, uh, but we also aren't the really the the type of relationship where we're heavy on the the PDA and and having to have that that constant um, touch, right? That that wasn't a, a, a necessary for for either one of us. Throughout the trip, we would see folks because uh, we actually went to Jamaica. We would see that quite often, and we were the ones that would kind of lift our nose and say, "Oh my gosh!" <laughs> and so, yeah, the other couples were like, "Oh God, I, I give them a year. Look at them; they're already exactly. miserable together." Two Redfords. Absolutely. Look how many. Look how long they're in that room with the door <laughs> shut. What do you do all day? My goodness. I mean, I was uh, on my honeymoon, the, the guy that uh, uh, was uh, reading comic books while my wife was uh, out at the beach. So I think that was day two. Um, but that is not an indictment of the care and concern that I have for our marriage. So uh, I think that's important to note. Um, I'm going to say but, that I'm, I'm more Redford and in a bad way. More Redford? Um, oh. Because on our, like you on our honeymoon, we were, you know, we were out with other couples. We were in the Dominican and um, – I think I was more Redford in that I was taking more in, but maybe in the wrong way. And I just I always just felt out of my element in the sense that mm-hmm. um, I may have been more comfortable if we had just been somewhere closer to home 
and then could focus more on the fact that like, I'm sharing this experience with my new wife, as opposed to you're just throwing a ton of different stuff at me. Um, it's so a very heightened, overload. yeah, it was a very, very heightened vacation in that. And then right. I was constantly have to remind myself, like, uh, you know, this is our, this is our honeymoon. It's about me and this other person as opposed to like, right. well, look, you know, I don't know. There's almost like too much sightseeing in that way that I was, it was overwhelming. Sorry. Are you saying that it uh, was more organic for her to just be all in on the marriage? Like, right, uh, not the marriage, but the honeymoon itself? Yeah, like, I think she was able to balance that more yeah. than I was. Uh, I don't know. She just seemed to be uh, more relaxed than, than right. myself. But uh, I will say, I think I got you on the comic books. I was reading American Pastoral at the time, which is not, <laughs> let me tell you, is not a romantic book. <laughs> On your I'm sure you sure you lit up the room. <laughs> I would love to read you a passage from this. I would, <laughs> but there's no punctuation. There's no sentence, so it's just going to be pages of one long rant from a grown man, middle aged man, about his daughter that hates him, and yeah, not romantic at all. So it's like six seven year old man. I get it. I can relate. Like, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's it. I don't. Uh, I know that you, you can necessarily make the argument that they're playing up uh, uh, kind of how we're socialized stereotypically, uh, male and female, where she is that over overtly emotional individual who needs the affection and needs the love. Um, and that, uh, you know, he's a straight man. He's very logical. He's very reasonable. He's, no, sweetie, we don't do this in public. Or, you know, we have to tip the man. There there will be time for that later. Um, they they play that up in, in some ways, and then they also turned on its head later. However, uh, it one thing I did question was if you take into consideration that that they knew each other for a period of time, um, could we reasonably assume that it, that he should be aware that that's kind of how she is? You know, there are moments where he seems even early on that he seems somewhat taken aback or shocked mm. that she wants to, to kiss his face and to jump on him and to walk around the way she does. Uh, but did, did, did you not know that about her? I guess. Well, my I, I was trying to, I mean, I, I think many ways the film is dated um, for what you're talking about. Like the, the, not even just the roles the characters play, but the fact that they're like acknowledging this is my expected role. So like throughout yeah. the course of the film, like after the, the honeymoon, like uh, he's going to work straight from the hotel She's right. going to their new apartment, which they've not laid eyes on since they, like, I guess, looked at the place. And it's right. like the furniture is being arrived. Like, it's like it's like a pop-up store for their life. And he's he's sure. going to have no input on his living quarters for presumably the next handful of years. You know, then they're settling in phase whatever. That felt – that's that's I think that's hard for people now to wrap – like, I couldn't wrap my head around it. Like that, right. that like the home I am so distant from, I go to work and then I come home and it's all set up. And there's an expectation that it's going to be set up in a way that will be pleasing and comfortable to mm -hmm. him. Yeah. Uh, and that's her. And that's what she's really, really preoccupied because that's her role, not to just have a, a home space that she enjoys, but that will uh, be a place of solace when her husband comes home from a hard day's work. It's, it's like a Norman Rockwell painting come to life in some way. So, Which I, I, uh, I mean, I, I dug that. Like, I think one problem I have with, I don't know if I'm going to call it film criticism. Cause I, I think like film criticism is pretty much dead now, but like, <laughs> <laughs> shoot your shot, man. Shoot your shot. <laughs> well, in the sense that 
almost everything is fractured where everyone has an opinion. You have two guys in Kentucky in the same city. Like right. we have, we have no background in film to discuss it, but I'm capable somehow of producing something that other people will consume. And I'm very thankful that they do, but I also <laughs> find that kind of astounding that they're complete strangers. It's like, well, let's see what these guys think about barefoot in the park. Sure. sure. I'm not knocking that democratization of it, but <laughs> I, I am going to knock because of that, that <laughs> it's like, we have to get lockstep. There's not, I would prefer to go back to the 1967 reviews and read those. I don't find as much value. No offense to what our discussion here, but if we were given a review right. of it, I would immediately write you off if you're attacking the film for that, because the film has to be representing the dating customs of its time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and I don't, I would think that anyone that could actually reasonably take a look at uh, film or a a book or anything from a certain time period could be able to look at it through those eyes. Or even if you're not from that time period, uh, be able to make some reasonable assumptions about how life was based off of everything that we know about that period of time. Uh, and to be unable um, to do that or to choose not to do that, I think invalidates you as someone that's critiquing or reviewing. So I, I do uh, – I agree with you on that. Yeah, just like basically not even having the stomach to have because uh, what you said earlier, I do think they eventually get around to sort of subverting uh, the roles a little bit. But I think while Jane Fonda's character here of uh, Corey, while she may seem kind of like – I don't know. She's there for this character's sexual pleasure. She's there to right. play the home homemaker. One thing I really like about her, her introduction was, in particular with the sexual aspect, is that she seems to be the one controlling that on her on her watch, and yeah. she seems to be the one enjoying it far more. And I don't know if that necessarily went with the expected was, time period. Yeah, I actually agree with you. I was, I was going to... Right before you touched on that, I was going to allude to the possibility that for its time, it may have been seen as incredibly progressive, um, that she is able to take the reins of certain situations in the sexual and otherwise in the manner that she does uh, and that she does those things uh, virtually unapologetically, mm -hmm. which I think is probably in great contrast to a lot of what we had seen to that point in film. Um, so, I, yeah, absolutely. So through our lens, let's say in contextually in 2019, it's, oh, my gosh, these roles that um, that they're expected to play. And it's it's uh, it's absurd, blah, 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 blah. Well, no, in 1967, it's, oh, my gosh, can you believe that there's a woman named Corey? Uh, how masculine. <laughs> my goodness. Uh, you see the way she walks around with her you know, her shoulders raised high without padding? Gross. I, I have to admit that, you know, I'm, I'm just a simple man, Derek. So for me, it's just her, Jane Fonda's legs. And I, I did not take into account, like, my God, she's named Corey. Like, what is this? Like, this newfound thing. All. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't really. I mean, when I looked at it, I'm like, well, that's kind of an interesting name. You don't see that too much. It's like C-O-R-I-E. Um, I don't think. I mean, I think one knock you can have against film is it's based on the Neil Simon stage play. And, of course, it feels very staging that way. It's not really opened up. I mean, they try to. But they really want to get to the new apartment. Right. And from the moment they get there, I guess, I guess it's the beginning of the breakup. I don't, I don't know. Like 
and I'm, I mean, I'm going to keep sounding like a pervert, but I guess you remove, you put pants on Jane Fonda and like, she's kind of fucking with Redford in the elevator at the hotel when she, she purposely goes up and is like sort of playing the part. Like they're having some sort of affair, like that. They don't know right. each other just to embarrass him in front of people. But when you, <laughs> when they get in a room and she doesn't have an audience to play to, I wonder if the film sags because then it's just Redford with his just <laughs> clenched anus, like not reacting <laughs> to any of her charms. And it starts to feel like it starts to feel like you're a voyeur on like really uncomfortable conversations with like <laughs> like your parents or something like you're a child in the next yeah. room and you're like. Oh, they're they're. I don't know if it's an argument, but it doesn't. You know, it doesn't sound like fun. It sounds like adult conversation, and I think that may be my one knock against the film is when they don't have supporting characters for them to bounce off of. In particular, Jane Fonda, uh, it can feel a little mean spirited. Like it's a pretty long, drawn out breakup segment of the film. It it is, and but a, a couple a couple things here. I do think that they really highlight um, this, the, the fragmenting of their relationship over time because of specific moments in which um, she does things that he doesn't necessarily agree with or like or it's outside of his comfort zone. And it's in an open venue in which other people are watching. He seems to be really, really concerned okay. with – Let's let's back yeah. up to one of those because how, yeah. how they get into that – uh, is they have an upstairs neighbor. They have a lot of neighbors that are, right? I guess off the beaten path. I, th I think they even make reference to like there's a homosexual couple, which is like a passing. Yeah. not a good. I, I know I just not said a good look. not a good look, yeah, but 1967. I think that sure. dude, that sort of conservative lawyer. I certainly, I actually think that's. <laughs> they probably pulled their punches as far as what that guy would feel oh, about that. Probably, yeah. Um. But so they have, you know, they have people that I think there's like food outside someone's door. It's like almost like a hermit like situation. And then yeah. you have the kooky, kooky old guy upstairs that has to use their apartment to jump out like their bedroom window to get to like the side of the building and get to his like, I don't know. It, it's very strange. It's I can see it working on the stage, right? You have to have a reason right. to have someone come onto the like and then exit stage left, whatever. But this guy comes in and I'm watching this with my wife. And I think that was, the, that may have been the only time she like her eyebrow went up is <laughs> he comes in this place and is like, Oh, you live here now. Like, I think he's aware it's a new couple and he knows he's got to go into the bedroom where for whatever reason, sure. Redford has not come out in the middle of the night to see exactly the, yeah. <laughs> that. I think that's part of the subversion of the roles where Jane Fonda is going out to see like, all right, what's who's at the door in the middle of the night. Redford stays in bed. Which, right? I don't know what it's, man in the 1967 would be like. Go check it out, honey. Like you sure, go do that. Sure. Well, and I'm not entirely sure. I guess not to reduce it down to gender roles. I'm not entirely sure who's going to stay in bed if someone's knocking or ringing the door or well, let's say this attempting to open the door at 3 a.m. Um, I don't care if I'm male or female. If I have a partner that's a bed fan, I'm not going to say, well, you go check it out. I'm going back to sleep. It <laughs> okay, be, that's a you key go difference. check it yeah. out and I'll send near the door or okay. I, will, I was gonna, I was about to say my wife would send me out to my death, but she also would have her iPhone out with 911 ready to die. So she would, you know, which would be fine. You know, me and the dog right. would, would get it first and then hopefully she would be the or sole survivor. Business. Yeah. <laughs> 
somehow I'd be killed. But my dog, <laughs> my 60 pound dog, he would kill the man after my death <laughs> and be the man of the house. What a beautiful film. <laughs> Well, I figured the next time we have you on, since we did the vanishing, we'll do like, I don't know, um, funny games and while you were sleeping. That'll be our company. <laughs> we'll, we'll open with 10 minutes on funny games and like, okay. you know, make sure you keep a golf club handy and then, you know, don't go into a coma on while you were sleeping. Is, uh, uh, so the neighbor, here's here's my wife. She raised her eyebrow. Knows that her husband, another room, he's got <laughs> he's got to tip his cap and like, hey, need to jump out this window. Thank you, sir. But before he does that, he's going to put his hand on, like, the bare leg of Fonda and say, hey, why don't you get up there, take a look, be right. incredibly pervy old man. But in 1967, it's read as, like, oh, isn't he kind of, he's kind of silly, isn't he? Exactly. He's silly and he's harmless. That you know, that <laughs> not that always the defense of really pervy old men? He's harmless when he says, sweetie, or he slaps your ass. You tell um, me, as a 67-year-old man, if it still works for you. <laughs> Listen, we just we we just don't do those things as often. Uh, that's the only difference. It's, it's a quota now, um, but it is. You know, I, when because I did I I did not watch this movie with my wife. I was sitting by myself, and when that scene happened, I had a, a couple of those thoughts we we've, we've kind of already touched on. You know, I I would have you know not just went to sleep, but uh, you know, I was also thinking, man, he has to hear that she's in the living room to a place that they just moved in. So most likely they don't know any of the individuals that would come by. Uh, he hears this, this uh, voice. Um, and I was thinking, man, this is, this, this kind of rapey uh, on this older man's part. And Redford is still in bed. Um, and I don't know if that, if it made me question like, I, I can't, this is like the, one of the, the one moments I really just can't buy. Um, as seeing as, as that, you know, most people in most relationships you would assume would, would have walked out much earlier than that. Um, and probably would have had a much, uh, more aggressive reaction to what they were seeing. Um, reads, even if you blame, even if you blamed her, he okay, yeah. an aggressive reaction. It reads as like a blame that he doesn't want to yet verbalize at her fucking up this apartment for whatever reason that like right. seems like he blames her for that the furniture's not delivered not her fault like it's not sure. like she told them the wrong day like there's some delay they don't have a bed uh there's a hole in their like skylight that looks out onto the roof it's not fonda she didn't take a rock or a brick and bust it up just for laughs like she's coming into this being like this is not like they said they were going to fix this and they didn't what I like about her, and it reminded me a lot of my wife, that she's like, let's make the best of it. And unfortunately for sure. me, and really unfortunately for her, I was really reminded of myself by the Redford character where that is like, that may be like the the cardinal sin with me when I think this is a miserable experience or I think something sucks. It runs all over me when someone tries to make it better or tries to make it yeah. playful and fun. I actually can come around to having fun with something but we have to go through the, the circles of hell and talk about how much it sucks. The only way you're going to get me to laugh is by like basking in the suckdom of whatever it is we're experiencing. Yeah. And my wife, that is the furthest, like, her reaction is go positive. And right. I want to go darker. And so that, I kind of understood what Redford was like. This is not a good start. Like, because even in the honeymoon phase, he wants to get back to normalcy, whatever that is. Right. Because uh, you asked earlier, like, 
you know, why is he having this like adverse reaction to her, like wanting to like kiss him and like, you know, never let him go. I think even when she's doing that, she says, you know, we can't ever get divorced. Like if it comes to that, we'll just kill each other. Like this is, <laughs> she, she's all in. <laughs> and, He's already rethinking his decision <laughs> in, in that moment. I, I'm thinking, you know, if I'm him, I'm like, just fucking suck it up. It's Jane Fonda, <laughs> like all over your face, dude. <laughs> don't come to me but with the problems. Just kill me anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I, to answer your earlier question, I feel like he's someone that thought like, okay, this is what you do during the courtship phase. And he's just kind of like me on my honeymoon. He's sort of desperate. Like, can we, let's just get back to like, whatever our life's going to look like without the pomp and circumstance. Like he's like desperate to, to get to that comfortable place. And that's the biggest thing with her. She's, she's wanting to like sort of live in that discomfort because this is the time where it's acceptable even if it involves having a pervy old man climb through your bedroom window and be like, well, he seems nice. We're going to go out with him. And you know what? I'm going to set my mother up with him. We're going to do a yeah, double because date. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun. You know, you know what I mean? In, in her mind, it is, it's, it's let life circumstances kind of just wash off of you with the exception of the apartment uh, and the things that were going wrong with the apartment. But the only reason I think that she takes such issue with those things is because she knows enough about him to know that it would cause him great grief and great discomfort. This is going to be a pain the, in Jane Fonda's ass. She's going to have to hear yeah, about it. If he wasn't, if it were just her apartment that she moved in to with everything that we've kind of understood about her character, she probably doesn't really care uh, about the hole in the ceiling or the fact that the heat's out or the fact that there's no furniture, but her husband, uh, has such an investment in things being correct and in their place. So it causes anxiety for her. Uh, everything else is really just about, she, she wants to enjoy marriage. She wants to enjoy having him uh, at all well, that, times. That specific point in their marriage where we're just starting out together like that, right. that time where you can have these moments that do suck. But when we're you know married, hopefully for 20, 30 years, we're going to look back at that. Like you see in movies where they're like, you remember when we were poor, or we went through this, or we had these wild times. She she's already sort of able to stand back from that with distance and be like, this is going to be the things we talk about, not not when we actually got this couch in here and everything was set up correctly. We're never going to talk about that day when everything looked nice. Would you say then that even though uh, on its face it would appear as though, uh, from a I guess adulting perspective, that she's the one kind of stuck in this um juvenile or, uh, level or immaturity but in reality if she is able to have kind of that clarity of no big deal today because things things will, things will be okay we'll tell our kids and our grandkids about this experience that really she has a more mature outlook on not getting lost in the trivial moments that he doesn't really have in, in his mind everything matters so fucking much right now um, that it it's of great importance that we do everything correctly, that our clothes are pressed, that we we you know don't get too handsy in public. And she's saying, "What's the big deal? What's it matter a year from now?" And technically, she's kind of right. Yeah, I mean, in a weird way, and I, I don't know how you were as like a a much younger man as a as a as a teenager, but like Stout. I <laughs> <laughs> that that's that. Our, editor's note <laughs> cut that out put it at the very top then let the music play <laughs> perfect i needed something yeah. um i i recall back when i was a teenager like how like serious i was about certain things that i i that i could not enjoy it that i was like okay this has right. got to be this has got to be done the correct way or i've got to say the right thing but and 
he he has that sort of immaturity in that he thinks his you know mid twenties, early twenties, whatever, has to be perceived at by the outside world the same as like his early forties. Like he's ready. Right. He's he's thinking once we've hit that point, it all has to be the same. Sure. And that yeah, I guess the breakup here, like I said, it's a long setup, but on this double date. Um, they go out and they're led by this crazy neighbor, Victor, uh, and he takes them to this, like, uh, it's almost like, it's almost seems like a speakeasy, like setup. Like it's one of those things, like you have to know how to find it and you have to know which door and, and you have password. to, yeah, that sort of thing. And it's this Albanian, uh, restaurant and he knows the owner, he knows everybody there so much so that when they come in, he basically like is able to get them to move people off a table who just seem like they're just enjoying a drink and just hanging out and they just scram so that they can have like the prime table. And wouldn't you know it for stick in the mud, Redford, uh, his wife's going to get up and belly dance in front of him, of course. in front of him and her mother. And the worst thing, and I, I wondered if, as I said, first time watch, I thought Redford's character was going to look at himself having such distaste in his mouth for his wife, his beautiful wife reveling in the experience that no one else has a problem with that. This seems to be, this seems to be a normal thing. It's not like she gets up in a, you know, I don't know, very vanilla wide establishment restaurant and starts belly dancing. And you have all these like people with their mouths open, like, look at that horrid woman. No, that just, right. this seems like normal nightlife. I thought Redford was going to look at her mom with the same expression. And I thought he might have like, a light bulb type moment where it's like, Jesus, I'm fucking old. Like I'm like, <laughs> basically I'm like her father figure here and I right. should be her husband and partner. And I, I'm just as young as her. I should be like living up with her. And she had a funny line that actually, I don't take too many notes, but I really liked it. That said, uh, you're a funny kind of drunk, Paul. You just sat around looking unhappy while watching your coat. And I thought that was such a <laughs> that was such a cutting remark. Something about <laughs> acknowledging that all he does when he's drunk is watch his coat. Like he just like is afraid. He's afraid of everything. He's afraid of just sure. And that uh, that's where me and Redford diverge because I, as a drunk, I don't care about my coat or much else really. Usually, yeah. Well, you're right though. It, it, what she's basically saying is you're so boring, you're so mundane. Your only safety net or your only sense of comfort is very similar to similar to a baby walking around with a blanket, right? That, that's the only world in which you feel okay. Take the bank blanket away and you don't know what to do. You can't, you, you're not going to enjoy yourself. You're not going to be spontaneous. You're not going to belly dance with me. Um, but or what you really have to just enjoy it. Fucking revel in yeah. the fact that your wife is Jane Fonda belly dancing in front of you. And yeah, I'm trying to figure out how to word this right, but like <laughs> not take ownership of the woman, the person, but take ownership of the fact that it's like, I'm a part of this particular life. Like this is my right. life. That's a really uh, nice way you clean that. that, that well, I, I, that you do the, enough of these podcasts, and you're like, take ownership of that woman. Like, it's like, <laughs> no, not going to say nope. that. <laughs> so, right. Figure it out. But in this, but but you do take. I, I you know maybe we put it in in this language as well. Uh, when you see things that your partner does that you appreciate or that you think is fun or awesome, or if you even look at your partner in a public setting, and you're like, oh yeah, I, I find you attractive. Oh, that, that's awesome. I see you up there doing that really cool thing while I also find you attractive. <laughs> and you have that moment uh, where it's like, I want people to know that, that we're together. You know, I, I want people to know that we have that that I'm connected to you. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, he, he could have had that moment, but he didn't. Um, and, it you know, 
when you're talking about how you thought things would play out, I, I, maybe it was uh, jokingly in my head. I was like, oh, uh, she's uh, Jane Fonda's character is much more compatible uh, with creepy old, <laughs> you know, rapists. And, um, you know, and uh, uh, Robert Redford's character is more compatible with the mother. And I had that moment. It, I mean, it was brief. It oh, was brief. No. Oh, so, no. <laughs> I think the film paused and like bubbles like popped from my head. And I had a, a vision uh, or fantasy. I don't know. But you know, there's this moment where <laughs> where they, they kind of split. Do, do you know what I'm talking You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. They split. Yep. And it's uh, Jane Fonda. Uh, she's running around with Victor. And uh, they are continuing to drink. And I was like, oh, there's this moment where they're continuing to throw back drinks and uh, they've they've lost the other crew. Like, where's this Barefoot in the Park film going? Honestly, um, I swear to God, I, know- <laughs> I give, give you all the credit in the world for loving the you know the <laughs> the screen legends, the Diane Keatons in this case, Jane Fonda. And I'm like, you know, we're going to be simpatico in this one because I am like Jane Fonda. I'm like, I'm adoring Barefoot oh, yeah. in the Park, Jane Fonda. And yet, even still, you're not satisfied that you got to have Redford going for an older woman at the time, the mom. Yeah, but there was something endearing and cute mm. about uh, just how uncomfortable <laughs> she was. <laughs> I said more of that, please. Um, <laughs> okay, so I didn't really think that, but I had that. I had that moment. Was, this would really be a this would be a real crazy uh, twist in the film if it were to go that direction. Um, but yeah, it, you're you're right though. When we we go back to this idea that being in public and him not being able to not just let his uh, his hair down, I guess you could say, uh, but also not being able to to be proud of how adventurous his his wife was. It wasn't like she was doing things that he thought were uh, were disrespectful to their marriage. It was just that he, for whatever reason. Uh, didn't jive with her personality in a public venue. Yeah, yeah, because the moment where the neighbor is like really like putting his eyes all over his wife's body, that would be the point where you'd be like, hey, you actually have a right to be a stick in the mud here. Like that, sure. I, I could understand that. <laughs> no, not that at all. It's like you're just being too loud. <laughs> like, exactly. Would you please no, calm that's, down? <laughs> that's really, uh, that's honest, honestly a, a great point that I don't know if I had thought about prior to. It isn't really an ownership. It's not a you're my wife and I don't I don't like you having conversations with other men. Some of the things you might see in another film mm-hmm. uh, that would follow kind of those those, uh, a, you know, a verbal or otherwise abusive kind of plot lines. It's you. You're you're loud. I'm crotchety. Get off my I hate saying this, but the get off my lawn nonsense. <laughs> and so with with that idea, he cannot. Um, take appreciation um, or enjoyment in the fact that his wife is enjoying herself. That's that's really problematic to their marriage. Not as problematic as your fantasy of the mom neighbor swap <laughs> that we have. Thankfully, no one said they had to swap. It could have been the same room. <laughs> Thankfully, they stick to the 1967. You know the traditions of the time. I guess where old mom, uh, even though she didn't much go for the singing and dancing at the club, she was pot committed to fucking yeah. that night she was <laughs> she was she was a sleeper pick there she didn't really say much and you wouldn't be led to believe that i guess that is like the fonda character you're surprised at it maybe the only time i dislike jane fonda's character that she reacts with such horror that her mom did something in her mind that i, I guess bordered on reckless but i also wonder i i'm guessing that's just because of the time period right i'm, I'm guessing if this I, I mean do you think in 2000 
19 that we would have with the daughter who is like, oh, my mom's lonely. I'm going to set her up with this guy. And knowing the guy, he's a leering old man who's going to sure. take you on a walk on the wild side. Do you think the daughter character would still be like, mom, how could you do that? I don't know. I think I think so because here, here's the, the idea. Similar in a way to what uh, Robert Redford's problem is throughout the film where he has certain expectations and when those expectations aren't met in whatever fashion, it upsets him greatly. She does it with most situations, right? She's pretty laid back and goes with the flow and it's perfectly fine and things work out the way that they're supposed to. But she has a vision and an idea that her mother is the ultimate stick in the mud. And so even in her wildest dreams, it, the, the date would go well and maybe he would kiss her hand and good night. And I don't think in her mind she perceived anything else but that because she has this concept of what mom is and supposed to be. So she doesn't ever have to worry about her mother having uh, some you know reckless sexual encounter where there were toys and I'll right. again. <laughs> but, <laughs> I was like, you're misleading people again on what this movie, the content of it. I'm just helping them go watch it. Uh, but you, but and to be serious, I guess she had an idea of what mom is. And for one moment, uh, when she saw her mother in that house coat, it's, this is, this is, this is not what I saw. This is not what I projected out for you. And it makes me uncomfortable. You can make the argument that in that moment, she's, the most similar to how her husband is mm. with that setting of expectations on other people. They, I mean, they're definitely on, uh, you know, d different arcs in that way. Uh, because yeah. as, as you know, she is coming back down, I guess, to the fact that yes, going out and good, having a good time that there can be, um, I don't want to say the next morning, but certainly this is something in your eyes that she didn't expect. She thought she was gonna give her mom a taste of the wild side and that would right. be enough. <laughs> but her she mom... got, and she got drunk on Victor. <laughs> yeah. So at that point, I, I believe that the breakup is pretty much happened. Cause I think it happens right after, like they have one, like almost all night argument where right. Redford is conceding points just so he can get some sleep. And so it's well, like, and you said you didn't like that moment, right? Did you take issue with that? Was that the argument? The, the very private drawn out, uh, kind of display the head. Uh, no, actually this, at this point I kind of understood it because he's, He's, you know, he was drunk, but he's not a fun drunk. And he, I understood him saying like, Hey, you know, I've kind of, I've kind of started life that maybe it was a mistake to go from, you know, a week out of our honeymoon or six days to go back into the workforce. Maybe that was, maybe that's my bad. I don't think the character ever verbalized that, but right. you know, he just wants to get some sleep. He doesn't have a bed. She wants to go all night, out all night drinking hook up her mom, then get upset when her mom hooks up. It's a lot. <laughs> this man's on Sounds red like alert. Sympathize with him yeah. This, I do, I do yeah. sympathize with him. Um, I, I liked that he, even in their fight, their breakup, he's so frustrating and that he won't blow up and that he'll concede mm -hmm. like, okay, you don't want me to sleep in our bedroom. Fine. Oh, you want me out of the house? Like, you know, he's basically like, he will like just agree. He will concede the point every time. And I think the only time, I guess really the only thing that reunites them, because the grand gesture, to be fair, in this movie is the fucking title of the movie. Like, they've argued about, like, she was like, you know, you ought to, you know, let your hair down, as you said, like, just run around barefoot in the park. And he's like, but it's cold. Like, why would I do that in January? Why not in the summertime? And she also had made the comment about him being a boring drunk. So the grand, grand gesture, which I fucking loved. Is that you have 
Robert Redford, who has been encouraged by his wife to get lousy, stinking drunk and to go walk barefoot in the park, basically to be every immature alcoholic, have one of those nights where you lose your wallet, you give away your coat, and you just you know go puke out in a, a field somewhere. He's been in encouraged. He's been encouraged. Yeah, and throw it at someone. <laughs> He's been encouraged to do this, um, and does it, and that's what wins her back. And I could see, I could see, uh, like even me just verbalizing that. I could see someone who didn't watch it. My wife didn't say this, but I bet if she hadn't, and I went to her man, I was like, this rom com is awesome. And she's like, oh, yeah, what's the, what are the basic beats? I'm like, well, you know, Redford doesn't get drunk enough. Uh, he doesn't <laughs> fuck enough for Fonda. He doesn't fight enough. And uh, he doesn't it's lose his shit. propaganda field. Yeah. <laughs> so how do they save their marriage? You know, six days in. <laughs> he gets to do all that. And then she comes hat in hand and is like, now let me take care of you. Come back home. <laughs> let me clean you up again. <laughs> Look at you with your autobiographical tale. <laughs> what happened to our world, Derek? <laughs> where this was not a lovely sentiment anymore. Where this was not the way to win someone over. I liked it. I mean, I I, I found uh, enjoyment. Now, I will say this. I it, And I know it seems silly, but it, it kept taking me out of the film that they kept referencing like the, you'll never, you never go barefoot in the park. And then he's like, I'm barefoot in the park. And I'm like, yeah, Jesus. I, I, yeah, I get it. I get it, and and maybe if it wasn't the title, I know that's kind of irrelevant. Mm -hmm. It would have it would have hit a little bit more for me. That it's like, man, look at him. He's it's it's winter time, and he's walking around with no shoes on. But luckily, you know, they they uh, told me five times. I enjoyed it. I, I thought that it was uh, again. It's a second moment for her where she sees a situation that far exceeds what she ever thought that this person could be. It's really, really exactly similar as her mother. So we already have seen it once of, of uh, you know, where she kind of maps out like this person would never do these things. Then they do that. And then they do it times 10, at least how it's perceived to her. And now it's wait, no, no, I need you to go back to normal. I need you to be buttoned up. So that's my safety. Why? It seems like she does. It's like she blames her mom more than she blames her husband for, you know, um, agreeing to these reckless whims. Why, why, why do you think she has such a different – it seems like she takes more responsibility in some way over what her husband is doing to himself because it's like she's like, oh, he's doing everything I asked him to do or questioned right. him. Why, why do you think that she's she's immediately like, okay, this is my bad. I need to pull you back you in. You could either look at it as one of them, at least in her mind, is a greater fall from what they used to be. So maybe <laughs> what are you uh, saying about her mom, Derek. <laughs> uh, listen, I've heard some things. Um, Fantasize some things. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I've written in my journal a couple times, but it, uh, you know, you you could have that kind of concept that the expectation that she had was far exceeding or exceeded, you know, much further in one situation or that she just blames herself more for one versus the other. All she did was set her mother up for a date. That was it. She didn't. And she pressed a little bit about it before the date, uh, done. Um, you know, and we kind of move on with this situation. It goes from, uh, their initial argument 
um, and disagreements to her saying, I don't want you in the house, to him being sick, to her still saying, I don't want you in the house. And so now she's maybe internalizing all of these decisions that she's made over the past 48 hours. And it's like, <laughs> wow, I really fucked up here. <laughs> um, you know, I put him out there in the cold and now he's going to die and they're going to find him frozen, uh, you know, behind a park bench. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's that she knows that uh, he has so many goals and that they could all be completely ruined and stripped away um, yeah. because they're young. Her mom's old. Um, and so she doesn't. <laughs> okay, wait. I'm not agreeing to that. I'm not. I'm wait, not... <laughs> wait. So hear me, hear me out. Just, just what she, she knows enough about her husband that they're, they're young, they're in their, they're in their mid 20s, and that he has his full future ahead of them, whether it's with her or not. And so maybe she sees, wow, he's so reckless. He's so far over the edge. This one thing that he's trying to do to prove a point to me could be a complete undoing of his entire future. Um, and so it's like, oh my gosh, I have, I've not just messed up this marriage, but I've ruined his life. I don't know. I don't know if I'm over dramatizing that idea. Well, I mean, but... she's, she's a, you know, as much as I, I love this, this Corey character, um, I mean, she's, <laughs> she's a very dramatic woman. Uh, I mean, so far we've only seen that, that drama play out as far as being fun, loving and freewheeling. But when things don't go her way, she's, I mean, she's quick to say, Hey, you know what? It's called today. Let's get divorced. And <laughs> in that moment, I am totally with the Redford character as far as like, you know, at the beginning of the film, you're saying, why is this guy like seem sort of like chapped that she's like wanting to make out with him all the time? Doesn't he know her by now? And then you could like, at the very least, he's not saying let's get divorced. And right. that line I quoted earlier where she was like, we can never get divorced. We just kill each other. We love each other so much. It's like that. That was that was a day ago. What happened, Jane Fonda? What <laughs> you didn't believe in divorce? It was sure. Uh, so I don't like the film. I like the barefoot in the park thing. I don't like that they, as you said, they you know have that be like multiple lines of dialogue and be the title of the film. But I really don't like that he somehow then gets up on the roof and it becomes this like is he going to yeah. fall to his death? Because that that's uh, that pushes my buttons. You know, definitely in modern times. Where you you see like you know the you know the the quote unquote nice guy or the guy that's always looked over especially it's especially ingrained in like apparently young men who right. don't know any better in high school and can no, can never see themselves with a significant other so they they push those buttons of like well if I can't get attention from them romantically I'm gonna make them feel so sorry for me but right. The problem is they don't that look like Robert a, Redford. Exactly. <laughs> well, that is like a you know kind of a. a an issue you see a lot with adolescents, which is being very stuck in the moment. You know, even when you talk about them like self-harming or hurting themselves, it's like, I, I hate my mom and dad so much. I'm going to kill myself. I can't wait to see the look on their faces. And, well, and no, to, be fair, to be fair, to be fair, Redford is not, that's not how he's playing. He's playing it as a stupid right. drunk. It's like, right. I'm going to fix that. You know, the problem with the roof, I'm going to get up there and like, I mean, and, He's putting himself in danger, but it's not. He's sure. threatening himself to throw himself off the building so she'll stay married to him. Because that would that been better for you. Well, it, it would remove all charm of the movie. Because then I <laughs> then I would throw my hands up and I'd be like, "All right, you guys, you can't handle a week together in matrimony." So no, it's best for both of you if you go your separate ways. Um, I don't know. I think the film walks a fine line of like I don't want the message to be that the Corey character needs to be like you know, wrangled in to submission sure. to some sort of conservative idea of married life. Um, 
but I, I also think that, you know, there is something to like, you're, you're going to run this fucking man to the grave early. You're going to run him ragged. If you, <laughs> you know, sure. he just can't, he just can't handle his liquor like his wife. And that's, that's fine. Let her wear the pants. Let her be the Vince Vaughn crazy character. That's, that's fine. Yeah. You don't need two of them. Well, and I think because we, we see uh, an instance where both of them, uh, if they if they want their marriage to survive, um, both of them are going to have to adapt to the reality that you live with a, a, uh, another individual, and it doesn't matter how well they had known each other prior to. I guess uh, to somewhat um, be contradictory to a, an earlier point that I made, but uh, now that you live with one another, uh, you can be completely alike or completely opposite, but you're both going to have to adjust to just the personality um, and the certain traits that, that each character have. You know, he can't survive in this marriage if she uh, every single day is is belly dancing and um, and letting, uh, you know, the old Victor, like, just lift her up with one hand on her bottom. Out of context. Can you imagine, like, if someone just dropped in, like, imagine this was old timey radio, which I was I'm always amused by podcasters. It's like. No, man, you got to set up who you are and you got to tell the premise every show. And I'm like, how the fuck do you think they're listening to this? Do you think they have an FM AM radio and they're just like, what is this show? Like, they have, how did I get here? They have looked at the iTunes art, the description, the episode title and the show notes. And they've said, OK, I'm choosing to listen to this. But if that person existed and they just heard that there's a movie where Jane Fonda is going to get Robert Redford killed if she goes out belly dancing every night, like he just his poor heart just can't take it. I think people would want to check out the movie, and they're they're probably it's, gonna be disappointed because uh, there's not 80 minutes of belly dancing. It's Barbarella two. You should look it up. <laughs> you know, I've never seen that. I've seen pictures, but um, <laughs> I'm, yeah, yeah. I am. Is sure. that is that all you need though? I mean, I can't imagine uh, any sort of narrative behind that. That just looks I like I don't recall the narrative, and I don't. I'm not just saying that as a joke. I mean, it was I, I watched it so many years ago, but um, yeah. Is it not just like a feature film version of like old Maxim magazines where it's like, hey, you get yeah. to see a famous person looking yeah, hot in weird the outfits? The B moviest of the B yeah. movies, okay. uh, just with Jane Fonda. Yeah, but yeah, you know, yeah, I think you we kind of just in, in in my mind hit the nail on the head with their relationship. If either one of them were to stick to those certain traits without being adaptable, um, the relationship it's, it, there's no, it's not a very promising affair for, for either one of them. And you even get that comparison with how the mom is able to kind of let her hair down a little bit too throughout the film. And when she's able to do that, take on some of those, those more Corey esque traits, how much happier she is mm-hmm. and bright eyed and, and, you know, I don't have to wear my hair in a, you know, in a hairnet and sleep on a board anymore. Um, <laughs> I don't have to be the stick in the mud. Yeah. I remember that line. It stuck with me. Um, you know, they're, they're, they're saying we have to be able to adapt and it kind of breathes life into us um, in, in some, in some way. Here's so. the, here's the uncomfortable part of the show. So mm-hmm. you've been married for a couple of years. Is there anything that after marriage is consummated, you're settling into your new life with a, an equal with another half. Was there anything that's like, wait, I didn't know that before, or I didn't know like living with this person that this is going to be something that was never part of my life. I'm not saying it's like belly dancing or like insistence right. on being an alcoholic, but was there something where you're like, okay, I'm going to have to like somehow work that into the narrative of my life now that I'm sharing this with someone. 
Um, probably your normal uh, uh, kind of compromises you see in, in relationships. So, uh, you know, she is um, I'll say I'm a I'm neat uh, and she is clean. And so what that means is, is that for the most part, if I have things out of the way that they cannot be seen, then mm. I consider that to be a clean environment. Okay. And uh, she does not. There are certain elements about um, trying to just be comfortable in a space that is yours um, that the other person has to adapt to. So for me, it, it's that kind of conversation. Those are our big arguments, quite honestly. Um, those are our big, uh, hash it outs. Uh, I'm just trying to get some sleep when we're arguing about, um, the fact that, you know, this isn't placed in the, in the, in the thought that it's me comfortable, that kind of thing. Those are basic compromises. What I also though realized, I guess, is that, um, if you go into any sort of, uh, marriage and agreement with someone with that assumption that uh, you're not going to have moments where you absolutely are annoyed uh, by the other person that you're around or that you don't need those moments to just get away from them. I think you're side, or setting yourself up for failure. And that's probably in some ways what, what Corey did a little bit of. Um, I, I would say that I had those moments where, and, and my wife as well, uh, where we came to the realization, it was like, wait, I see you every day. And at least what, you know, what we've signed up for is this idea that it will be for the rest of our lives. So, you know, it's okay to be completely annoyed by your presence right now. And being able to accept that, I think, is is something that that uh, we had to learn kind of along the way. That it's not a major deal to just be to, – to just want to have space, even within the same structure, even within the same home. Um, and that that is no indictment of, of your relationship. I feel like this is just a very – long-winded fancy way of saying that uh you want to play what? madden you want to play call of duty and you need time for that <laughs> in case your uh lovely wife is listening to this i'm just saying i was looking at it from her perspective i'm like wait a minute this just sounds like <laughs> a prepared defense for something else listen i i had to uh look at her about uh what time is it now how long have we been on? uh an hour and 27 minutes ago and say i've got a episode to record so um i know that you've uh had a long day of work <laughs> and you're uh with our five month old um but i've got to go have fun on the mic um for all of our listeners uh that need me to be there oh yeah so yeah you're kind of right yeah mm-hmm. it, yeah it, it, all it all 25 of you uh Derek is <laughs> taking time away from his family Man, that's way more <laughs> yeah we're up 20 since the Suspiria release um I okay that kind of goes with mine because I, I when I asked the question I'm like oh, I don't know I don't I wonder what it, that would be like I'm sure if I asked my wife she would have plenty like well I didn't expect this and this bullshit that bullshit right. um <laughs> I and I will say uh the biggest one because it kind of came up uh, this weekend uh it's probably like this hobby of mine this podcasting because I didn't do it at all when we got together and it was something that came about as an excuse to just talk movies with friends just like hey i'm gonna have a weekly time which initially she was thankful for because she's like because <laughs> we're going to movies a lot and she's just like don't don't come at me with like two hours on suspiria like whether you loved or hated it like i <laughs> she can just walk out and be like that was too long and i didn't care for it <laughs> and she and, she and may done. she may have two other thoughts i'm not going to sell her short but she doesn't you know it not being like top of her list hobby she doesn't need to dwell on it any more than that which is it's healthy that's fine but because of that and because i took to podcasting so much and I, I liked creating these things for you know 20 people or whatever um she she's had to put up with the fact that it's like okay i'm gonna go in the other room 
and I'm recording. And also, by the way, don't make any noise. Like you can't don't, don't watch any TV. Uh, don't do run around. Don't agitate the dog. Don't get him excited. Like I cannot have noise. And she kind of looked at me this weekend. She's like, you know, she's like, I don't mind you doing it, but she's like, you know, it kind of <laughs> you kind of imprison me in my home where it's like sure. I have I have time out time. And I even then, I mean, it wasn't a fine moment for me, but I'm like, well. I got your AirPods. I got your iPad. <laughs> <laughs> Just put in the AirPods. Watch your iPad. You're watching stuff. I can't hear it. You don't interrupt me. I don't interrupt you. And, you gave her a rattle. That's basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, she did not come back me as, as hard as probably what she should because, in fairness, she loves. She likes that iPad and she likes having AirPods. But yes, that Zaddy still provides. <laughs> that still. <laughs> Does not solve the problem that I'm now putting her in some sort of forced time out where it's like, okay, now now you have two hours of Netflix time, so I can talk about other things I watched on Netflix for 20 people to enjoy. Sure. Or hate listen, no. whatever. Um, and so, yeah, I think I had probably, that's why, like, as we're recording tonight, <laughs> my wife has left the home and left me. <laughs> <We're now laughs> separating. She went to get cigarettes and she ain't coming back. <laughs> God damn it. Two hours on Barefoot in the Park. I watched the movie. I said it was fine. <laughs> I laughed when I was supposed to laugh. What more does he want out of me? Um, yeah, we'll work through it. Um, Although, I, I know we're about to, to, to probably cut this, so I do have one more real quick. Okay. Um, one thing that I, I did, uh, I won't say it came as a shock, but it's it's a, an area of marriage that you have to maneuver that some at some points are, are a little bit more difficult than I thought. Um, in-laws. Uh, and we see that scene where he finds out that her mom's coming over. So to bring it back to the film real quickly, that the mom, the mom's coming over and it was kind of unannounced and he had things that he wanted to do. And it was one of those things where I was sitting there saying, I say the exact same thing. Or, oh, they're not going to, how long are they going to be here? Do I have to come downstairs? Um, do I have to play host? Mm -hmm. uh, do I have to be nice? Or can I just be upstairs and you tell them that I'm sick uh, again this week? <laughs> um, you know, is a, it, you know, it's a great point because yeah. within your home, like, I mean, kind of like my situation where I'm telling my poor wife, like, put on headphones and be quiet and watch the, like, like a child, watch this thing on the screen. I have the opposite effect where actually if, if my wife said, hey, I'm having people over, uh, here are your AirPods and your iPad well, hell, I'm going to find countless things. I'm like, oh, cool. She's giving Great. me two hours to watch whatever I want. <laughs> we don't have to like debate between what we're both in the mood for. No. Okay, cool. You gave me two yeah. hours of my time. The in-law thing or any, any sort of family coming over or friends. Um, right. This summer she had friends over. She was having a girl's night. And I was like, do you... Do I have to like make an appearance? Do I like, am I like on like the Letterman show and I have to come out and do my five minutes before the stupid pet tricks or whatever you girls are doing? Like, yeah. And she's like, no, don't, no, don't do that at all. And I was like, oh, thank God. Like, I don't, I don't have yeah. to have material. I can, but I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of thinking as an adult, is it weird if I'm just holed up in another room and it's like they can hear me, but oh. I'm not coming out and making small talk uh -oh. or do they appreciate it that I'm not interrupting wow. their thing? My wife's going to love this episode because she's going to have a long – and if she can hold on to make it to the end here. Probably not. Because no. – <laughs> probably not. But yeah. I can put <laughs> – I could. I won't. But if I was a better podcaster, I would put in chapters and highlight and I would – I could put there, <laughs> Ashley, you actually want to hear this part. And then she could just clip and then – but I'm not going to. It's too much work. Well, you know, it, it, I – 
don't know how many times I've done it, but it's been quite often where she'll have individuals, friends or family, like you're saying over. And we've kind of gotten to this agreement where she's like, no, I don't care anymore. But I can actually hear from time to time folks uh, or one of her friends will be like, oh, where's Derek? And she'll say, <laughs> oh, he's upstairs taking a nap. <laughs> but, you know, she's had a friend before. And I think even her cousin came over. I don't know how long ago it was. Uh, she'll never hear this. But um, and even like after like an hour and a half, it was like, Derek's still napping. And she's like, I think. I think so. He's real t- and she texts me like, you okay? And I'm like, yes, but I'm hungry. So when you leave me- <laughs> if, Redford, if Redford had done that, he'd been much better off. Like a, it's like a horror movie. Really. The, the creepy thing in the attic. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I totally get it. I actually, and I, I think that's, I think that's something that's been going on for generations. Redford very well could have had that moment. I know my dad. <laughs> who's Absolutely. unlike me is a very quiet individual he, he he laughs pretty freely but he doesn't really it's not much for speeches or a lot of talk uh that would be something that would work his nerves whether or not he, there's an yeah. expectation <laughs> am i allowed to go into my own kitchen without the need to talk to people that i don't normally talk to that would and absolutely <laughs> i'm not saying my dad's a coward at all but he he would definitely stew he would stew <laughs> in his room sure. and he would choose he would choose the punishment the self punishment over that awkwardness that uncomfortableness <laughs> I think it's a sense of this is uh, my domain in which I feel greatly, com- you know, I feel comfortable in. And if that's compromised for whatever reason, i.e. someone else having guests over, I'll wait it out uh, to avoid that conversation and that interaction uh, to till they leave. And then I can re uh, enjoy my experience in the place. I think that's for me. That's the big thing. Show have folks over and I'll say, well, I'll have a lot of fun when they leave. Um, <laughs> unless... <laughs> Unless I'm in a room playing, you know, video games or or watching a movie or reading something like that, I can enjoy it if I'm alone. I like you. I like to do my own thing. So when I have that opportunity, that's great. Um, but I'm also usually just waiting around until they're no longer uh, present. So just I just hide behind the curtains that are downstairs. I mean, maybe just like a, a future anniversary gift or something is like a mini fridge or like a cupboard you can put like yeah. in that room where you you have your rations. For that to wait it out that, you have no idea how amazing that i don't know if i'd ever come out <laughs> i don't know by the end of this oh, if we sound no. like two people that need to be like here's the problems here's how we're going to break down this relationship on screen the do's and don'ts we're definitely not the, the two men that should be talking about whether or not someone should stay with um a beautiful woman uh on screen i can't remember her name jane fonda there you go uh we're probably not the guys about yeah i know right well yeah he should he should have left jane fonda i love sitting in rooms with the door shut (laughs) alone. (laughs) yeah okay i'm gonna leave all that in just if they make it to the end they're like oh shit what what the fuck why'd they listen to them for an hour and a half why'd he forget who jane fonda was diane keaton that's why you wouldn't forget diane keaton no, or or uh, Elizabeth Taylor, or Delta Burke. Oh God, that last one, <laughs> and the way you said it too. Get <laughs> Olivia De Havilland. Vivian Leigh. Man, you're, you're leaving me too much room to put 
find some sort of porn music, some Skimax <laughs> music to put on as you name off these people. See, I thought if I kept talking, I was like, oh, he'll, he'll just be like, I'll cut it off somewhere right now. Now, there. you ask a Hyro or any of these other people that I've, uh, I've uh, recorded with, I record everything. I, I want as much coverage as possible because I never know when there's going to be gold. Or poor Jared on Sober Cinema. The only time you actually hear Jared on there. Anything that he says is when he thinks we've stopped recording and I work it back in to the edit. Because <laughs> suddenly he becomes very loose-lipped with everything. And I'm like, I do add in lines of, I want to die. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't even make it through <laughs> three words. <laughs> I want to die. Don't, don't add that. Uh... <laughs> I'll do you one better. I'll tag him on Twitter. <laughs> you were mentioned by Derek lovingly. No, I'm not saying anything else because I don't know where the cutoff line is. I have no idea. 